Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, what a busy, busy week for it being the offseason. Kind of the offseason, but not really the offseason. But yes, let's call it the winter pause. We have a winter pause, and then we go back into football for about two or three weeks. Um, Obviously with Penn State in a New Year's Six Bowl game again. Well, I'll tell you what, there's probably more to talk about now than there was uh, mid-season when we had games to talk about. But as you mentioned, Penn State is in a New York New Year Six Bowl game. That is the Peach Bowl versus Ole Miss. And if you want to make the trip, got some help for you, check in with our buddies at Collegiate Athletic Travel. They have uh, air and land packages for you. You get a two-night stay at the Weston Peachtree Plaza. It's close to everything. It's close to the stadium, close to the College Football Hall of Fame. You get admission to fan night at the aquarium, which is literally just blocks from the hotel. And they take care of all the details for you. Check them out at athletictravel.com. Or you could call 814-238-4900. Eight seven for more details. All right, Andy. Why don't we start right there? Let's start with the Peach Bowl, Penn State, Ole Miss, and I want to start this conversation with a quote. Okay. Okay. Here is here is the quote: Playing Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl is about as who cares as it gets for an. New Year's Six game. Do you know who said that? No. Who? You. <laughs> you sent me that text on decision day. Yeah. I um, I would have preferred several other matchups. Um, if you'd have given me the possible New Year's Six matchups, heading into championship Saturday because we knew Penn State was going to be a New Year's Six Bowl team, I probably would have put Ole Miss's last or next to last um, on that list. So, yeah, I I don't, like, hate it looking at the other matchups, but I'm I'm like, man, there would have been so many other games I would have liked to have seen. Penn State, in terms of an opponent, I, I don't think it's a bad opponent. It's an SEC team, but I just there were better matchups in my mind than I would have liked to seen. Whatever version of this Penn State team we're going to get for the bowl game, I would have preferred to see. So I'm kind of like, eh, okay, it's the fact that they are in a New Year's Six bowl. I think that's the big thing for me. Um, who the opponent is is just relevant. On in my world, because I like good football games. And this one could be, but it also maybe might not be. So that was why I said it's like, a, uh, I don't know, who cares? I would have liked to see them play Georgia. Florida State would have been interesting. I like that. Um, Texas, but now Texas is in the college football playoffs. So is Alabama. They would have been higher. Oregon would have been 
top of my list. I would have loved to have seen Penn State and Oregon square off. Um, they were all more appealing to me. So way to, way to call me out, Jimmy. Thank you. Um, I, that's the problem, Andy. You put it in a text message. So not only could I, I have to depend on my memory, I can go back and find it. And just a reminder to you, I never erase text messages. So <laughs> lesson learned there is be careful what you send me. Now, here, here's how I look at it, Andy. You mentioned several other options. The problem is, um, other than Oregon, they just were not realistic options. As you point, Texas right. and Alabama, are they're in the playoffs. Right. Um, Georgia and Florida State were obligated to the Orange Bowl. They were, yes, I know. Nothing you could do about that. So that leaves Oregon, Liberty, Ohio State, and Missouri. So obviously eliminate Ohio State. That's not going to happen. Hopefully eliminate Liberty. It really looked like that was going to be the case. It did. And what you have left, I agree. Would have loved to have played Oregon. And I don't see any difference between Missouri and Ole Miss. I I would be I, the same level of excited for either one of those teams. They're both two-loss Southeast Conference teams. I think it's a good matchup. I don't think it's a bad matchup. You think it's a good one. I don't think it's a bad one. I would have preferred Missouri just for my football geek side of me. I think there's a little bit more intrigue that Missouri brings to the table than Ole Miss. Um, I, in, in terms of pure football, I think Ole Miss's offense, which it struggles to be consistent and relevant. Hello, that's uh, the offense for the, for the team that Ole Miss is playing in the bowl game, Penn State a little bit as well. But the real difference maker is Penn State has a defense that – will really give Ole Miss trouble. And I think Missouri had some some offensive matchup advantages and things that they do that would have been a little more intriguing in terms of matching up against Penn State's defense. But you're right. It is – you say it's a good one. I, I think it's not bad. That's tomato, tomato. So I, I agree. There were other ones that were they were they were locked in. And this is not a bad option at all for Penn State. And it is – in some levels, an intriguing matchup. Well, I think also what adds to it is uh, Lane Kiffin as the coach, a name coach, okay? And he's already started saying some interesting things, fun things. I think that's part of it. They have a pretty good quarterback, Jackson Dart, who has some name quality, pretty good. They have a very good running back. And I think that matchup of the Ole Miss offense versus that Penn State defense, it makes it intriguing. Yeah, I just don't think that Ole Miss has the firepower and consistency in the way they've been successful this year offensively. I just don't see it as a as a as a real potential. 60-minute challenge for Penn State's defense. That's just the way I see it. Ole Miss struck me as one of those teams that gets a lot out of its best, but when they don't, they go very quiet for long stretches in football games offensively. 
Not that Penn State doesn't. That's the intrigue of this game. Both of these offenses have a tendency to to go for some pretty long stretches being very average or below average at best, I guess is a good way to put it. They will have their struggles inherently. doesn't matter who's playing defense. So that's going to be the matchup um, that I pay attention to is how do these offenses – I just think Ole Miss – will have some serious challenges in what it likes to do to kind of be a consistent offense against a defense like Penn State's. That's It's going to be a very difficult challenge for them. I think there's less challenge for Penn State's offense versus Ole Miss's defense. I think Penn State's offense is built to have some matchup success against Ole Miss's defense. And I struggle to find the ability from Ole Miss to do that offensively. That's just inside football stuff. But big picture-wise, you know, you mentioned Lane Kiffin and saying some interesting things. That ain't going to stop, and that ain't going to change. So that will bring a different intrigue element. Plus, Penn State's never played in, in the Peach Bowl. And I don't think they've ever played Ole Miss either. I think also the matchup as a Big Ten team playing against the Southeast Conference team, I yes. think that is also part of the interest. Sure. Now. Every time we now talk about bowl games, at least other than the playoffs, what we have to talk about is those players who choose to sit it out. So far, we've heard for Penn State, Chop Robinson has declared for the NFL draft. He won't be playing. No matter how much talent depth you have, losing a Chop Robinson is going to affect you. My question is, how much will that affect the Penn State defense? And do you think we will see more attrition, especially on the defensive side of the ball? I, I really do expect to see some attrition, on, and particularly on the defensive side of the ball. There will be some guys who you might expect to be attrition victims to a bowl game in this era of you know players not playing in the bowl game who are bound for the NFL. I think Penn State will have a couple of players that are in high-profile roles inside the locker room and for this team that will play in a limited basis, a.k.a., you know, take a look at, you know, the Saquon Barkley role, right? I think it was against Kentucky. <laughs> he was like, hey, I'm part of this team. I'm going to play. That was clearly a limited thing, and I think there will be a little bit of this on the Penn State side. I think guys like Olu, he's a he's a captain and a leader for this team. What decision does he make? I think both cornerbacks for Penn State are potential to not play in this game as well. Big time potential to not play. Another guy, these are second tier guys, I think. You know, anybody on the offensive line, right? Like, you know, Sal Wormley, Caden Wallace, they're both done. Are they going to play? Are they going to? They're, you know, potential NFL guys. Those are questions. Curtis Jacobs is a next-level guy that I look at. Uh, interior defensive line-wise, I think they're okay. Losing Chop Robinson is going to have an impact. But I think number 33 is ready for a more advanced role at his position as defensive end and to show you the next level of what to expect from Deny Dennis Sutton moving forward in Penn State for 2024. Uh, just quick, I th I think Barkley's limited game was the Fiesta Bowl with Washington. 
Okay. Uh, not the game with Kentucky. J- just, uh, but I- I'm not. I, I'm. There are a lot of candidates uh, to conceivably sit out. But with that said, I don't, I'm not sure we're going to see that many of them, Andy. It's been the case with Penn State where they haven't had a lot of issues with it. Might they see their number of snaps limited a little bit more? Like like you mentioned with Barkley, I, I think that could be the case. Um, I, to me, my biggest fear is Adisa Isaac at this point because yeah. losing Chop Robinson, they would still have two pretty good defensive ends. Losing Adisa Isaac means they no longer have still have two good ones going out there. All right, Andy, that is it for quarter one. A lot more to get to. Stick around for quarter two. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app, Keystone Sports. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy Shea. I'm Jim Galanti. We are talking Penn State football. Just a quick reminder, our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel, they can help you out if you got your plans to go down to the Peach Bowl. As far as hotel arrangements and everything else, all those kind of details, check in with Collegiate Athletic Travel. Go to athletictravel.com or you could call 814-238-4987 for all the details. I've traveled with them. It just makes life so much easier. 
They have uh, hotel rooms at the Weston Peachtree Plaza, which is right in the middle of everything. A couple blocks to the stadium, a couple blocks to the College Football Hall of Fame. They offer admission to fan night at the aquarium. Great, great trip. Again, go to athletictravel.com or call 814-238-4987. Andy, in quarter number one, we talked about Penn State in the Peach Bowl. The big national story, though, and I want to get your take on it. I know this is several days, but still a relevant conversation. Florida State, undefeated, ACC champions. They have, again, undefeated. Teams with one loss were taken ahead of Florida State. This is totally unprecedented in the college football playoff era. Is that justified, their absence in the playoff? So that's a black and white question that is hard for me to answer definitively. So the the standard for a decade that you were, that you had become accustomed or that you knew was, and what Florida State did and accomplished, it was pretty black and white and cut and dry, that it's Florida State. However, there's a football eye test part of it that, you know, you're just, you, you watch the football and you look at what Florida State is dealing with. And, you know, you have to give them their full props for winning their last two games, including the ACC championship, losing their star quarterback the way they did. And then losing their second string quarterback the way they did and sort of what they had to do to win the ACC championship game. You have to respect that. But for me, it was like, yeah, by the standard, Florida state is the easy choice. That's cut and dry. And I'm certain that if Jordan Travis were healthy, that it would be Florida state, but there's a competitive football thing that Jordan Travis isn't coming back, obviously. Their number two quarterback is questionable. You don't want it to look sort of like what the ACC championship and the Big Ten, uh, to a degree, and what the Big Ten championship game kind of looked like. If you put Florida State in, you're you're competitively looking at that. So competitive-wise, I was like, it was almost like, yeah, it's Florida State. That's the That's the natural pick. That's what your mind tells you. But I was like, but my heart says there's no way you pick them. You you pick Texas and you pick Alabama. And the committee had, now they've got 12 next year. So they're kind of off the hook in that they can navigate this in a one-year wonder. You had te- Texas beating Alabama. That shoestring them on two fronts. One, Alabama beat Georgia to win the SEC. Texas went out and won the Big 12. And oh, by the way, that makes Alabama and Texas, their head-to-head game, now completely relevant. So you can't take one or the other. You could have, but you competitively, you need to take both. And I like what they did from a competitive standpoint because any one of these four teams now I think could win the national championship. Like there's not a clear-cut favorite among those four. I just, I have a soft spot for what Florida State accomplished, but it's not necessarily for me always what they did. It is what it looked like 
and how they got there in the end. You know, you what your eyes tell you you're seeing, and what we saw was a compromised football team. So do you just go by your standard and say, well, compromise or not, this is what we're doing. They're clearly a compromised, majorly compromised football team with the loss of their number one and number two quarterbacks. Do you take a compromised product and put it in the college football playoff? The committee wasn't ready to go there. It was the hard decision. I don't like it per se based on their standard, but I agree with it 100% based on the, the football competitiveness and the eye test. I don't know if that's really an answer or more of a bailout. <laughs> um, it's a bailout. <laughs> but I will forgive you for it because I'm kind of in this in the same territory, Andy. And I think the best quote that I heard was when someone was questioned, did they get it right? And their answer was, there is no right answer to this. There Correct. isn't. And it's right. easy for people in our position with this soapbox to get out there and rant about Florida State, undefeated, pres- precedent, conference champions. Uh, you know, there's no uh, sure thing. Upsets happen. However, with that, let me throw out a couple of things from, from my standpoint. The injury aspect, which you mentioned about the quarterback. There is precedent for that from uh, – college basketball they are allowed to take that into consideration that's number one number two i think that they wanted to find a reason and and that sounds nefarious but florida state is not as good as the other four teams the way i look at it and all four of those teams Forget the undefeated or one loss. They each have a win or wins that are better than anything Florida State has. Correct. Alabama probably has the best win in the country by beating Georgia. They do. Texas arguably has the second best win in the country by beating Alabama. That they do. Michigan might have, say, the third best win in the country by beating Ohio State. Correct. Washington very well could have the fourth and fifth best wins by beating Oregon twice. So all of those teams, the losers of those five games I pointed out, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're all they all would be undefeated except for those matchups. And Florida State does not have that on their resume. And I know Las Vegas shouldn't be the one determining this, but you saw if you looked at the point spread for the Orange Bowl where Florida State landed against Georgia, it is a 14-point spread, Andy. And if you had put Florida State in there number four against Michigan, I suspect you would have seen a similar spread. Oh, you would have. Absolutely. You would have seen the same spread, Jimmy. And I could argue that Georgia will be hampered because they don't want to be there. Who knows how many guys they're going to have sitting out. But a, a an engaged Georgia team, if I, I were to bet, <laughs> I, I would take Georgia and give up the 14 points. In, in a second, no matter who plays quarterback for Florida State, I 100% agree with you. That's the competitive 
Edge, and I'm glad you brought it up about, you know, who your quality wins were against. And it all comes back to the, to me, it's the power five and four spots. So there is no right answer because the system itself is flawed when you have a five conference champions and you have four spots. No matter how it's looked over the last decade, that flawed system is always going, has always been the sort of U-Haul that the college football playoff committee has had to carry around. This is the first time it really sort of jumped up and bit them in a, of their, in the, in the, in the hard and fast rule they put one loss, zero loss, zero loss in that rule. This didn't, it didn't apply anymore because of the quality wins in the matchup. So, but it was, it was the flawed system. That's why we're going to 12. That's why 12 is so eight would have been better, but 12 is great. But yeah, you're a hundred percent right. And Andy, I think, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and call this an unintended consequence. Until now, I've always joked that it was easy. I could do what the college football playoff committee does. I could do it in two minutes. Undefeated, power five, you're in. You take the undefeated team over the one-loss team. You take the one-loss team over the two-loss team. Easy. Oh. If you have the tie break, one loss versus one loss, you take the SEC conference team first, then the Big Ten team, then you go in order. What they have now done, though, is they have set the precedent of taking a one-loss team over an undefeated team. They have now set the precedent that I could take someone with more losses versus someone with fewer losses. And starting next year, now it won't be undefeated versus one loss. It's either going to be one loss versus two or more likely two losses versus three. Are you going to take a two-loss Southeast Conference or Big Ten team or a three-loss ACC or Big 12 team? Yeah, and I think they're going to go with where the power is. Because the Big Ten and the SEC have become power conferences, they, it's it's they're the there's going to be four and they're going to be the two biggest dogs on the block, so their depth is going to play the role. They're going to take a three loss SEC or Big Ten team over a two loss ACC or Big Twelve team. They're just going to do that because of the depth and competitive balance, but. And they'll be able to justify that based on the quality of competition. It's just going to be, it's, it's matriculated during this craziness of conference realignment. It's gone from power five to power two. And then there's two more FBS power conferences, but they are below the SEC and the big 10. The strength of college football now rests in two conferences. And you're going to still get the winner of the Big 12, the winner of the ACC. But like the Big 12 without Oklahoma or Texas, you're not going to have a team that has a great win coming out of that. And it's going to be the same thing. The ACC, especially, okay, Florida State is better again. Clemson has come come back down to earth. I, I don't see... Two teams coming out of the ACC that are, you know, necessarily worthy 
of a 12-team playoff. We shall see. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter two. Stick around. We're going to do Ask Andy next. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app, Keystone Sports. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He's Andy, I'm Jim. This is quarter three. You know what that means. It's time to take your questions and we ask Andy. We'll get your questions, give them to Andy, he'll give us the answers, and then he'll pick the best question, and whoever sent us that question, they'll win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com. If you want to send a question in, either for Andy or T. Frank, just download our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the button there that says Ask Andy or T. Frank. Hit that button, and away you go. Andy, are you ready, sir? Let's do it, Jimmy. I'm ready. All right. Let's start with Matt in Acton, Massachusetts, who says, Jim and Andy, a follow-up how the college football playoff committee makes its decision decisions based on the factors, injuries, records, strength of schedule, et cetera. Do any of these factors carry more weight than the other? Uh, very good question, Matt. So before this year, I would say it was pretty cut and dry. Zero versus one loss, one versus two loss. Conference champions, right? Those things were sort of very black and white. Now, I think this year, and it'll, I think this kind of clarifies a little bit moving forward. I think who you beat more than who you, 
who defeated you or who you lost to. If you're undefeated, obviously you're undefeated. I think who you beat and who you posted victories over. In other words, your quality of wins and what was your highest quality of win. I think that will become a more relevant thing going forward because of the two power conferences, which the SEC and Big Ten, we mentioned that last quarter, you're going to have the opportunity for not just one, but you could have two and up to three, you know, top 10, top 15 type quality wins. If you're a one loss team, you could have a loss in there. But I think quality of wins is going to be one of those factors and not just one, but they could stack them. What does that look like? And what's your overall record? And where did you fit in? particularly for those teams that don't make it to their conference championship games. In other words, the two teams that don't make it, what do the next three teams look like? So that's where I think the quality of wins is really going to come into play, and I think that's going to play a factor. Uh, You bring up a good point, too, Andy. We talked about this at the end of quarter two, but one thing we didn't talk about was how that conference championship game, which will now be the two best teams in each conference, Right. What happens if you make the conference championship game and that gives you that, say, third loss? You know, it's actually may be a disadvantage going to that conference championship game if you lose it. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. All right. Let's go to Sam in Middletown. He says, hey, Andy, I'm excited about the new offensive coordinator, but I was wondering how difficult will it be for the players to adapt? Will there be big changes? Will the terminology change? Does the new coordinator adapt to Penn State terminology, or does the team adapt to him? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, Sam. There will be there will be change. It will be new terminology. It will be different. I don't think it will be inherent. I think it's inherent upon the OC to understand what assets he has on the offensive side of the ball and to make it fit their skill set in an ideal scenario. I don't think it's incumbent upon the players to completely adjust to what the offensive coordinator wants wants to do. I think he has a big picture idea and premise, and he is going to run it based on that. But I think it becomes also incumbent upon him to make sure that he's putting the players and understanding what they are and who they are and what they bring to the table inside that window. So, but in terms of terminology, you know, sets and formations, you know, the flashcards, the signals, I'm pretty sure 90% of that's all going to be sort of new and different. That will be hit the ground running. That will see the install will happen in the off season the spring practice session will be all about sort of for the offensive players that are still around going back to school. They've got to learn it all over again in his language, lingo, terminology, and how he wants the cadence and rhythm of it to function and work. So it will be a busy off season. Yeah. They got a new coordinator, but it'll be a busy learning off season for the players. That's also a question I'm going to put to our buddy Landon. Um, it'll be interesting from a player perspective what they yeah. have to go through in that learning process. Uh, Sam, I'm making a note of that. We'll be talking to Landon about it. All right, 
Let's go to Glenn in New York who says, everyone thinks the 12-team playoff will solve the issues encountered this year, but they all have it wrong. What makes college football so compelling was that every single game mattered. Many years the top team stumbled somewhere along the way, only to see the national championship go to someone else because of it. That's what's made each of the games important and interesting. Starting next year, when two lost teams will still be making the playoffs, it is nowhere near as important to win each game. Ohio State loses to Michigan, goes 11-1. and No problem. They'll still get in and have their shot. Even this year, when Texas beat Alabama, it doesn't carry the weight that it uh, should is a problem. Why even play the darn game then? I personally don't believe Florida State is one of the top four teams, but they went 12-0. and and scheduled and beat two Southeast Conference school on top of their conference schedule. Deserved to get in, even if there is a chance of winning, was very low. In parentheses, remember the 86 Fiesta Bowl? For those who don't, that was Penn State yeah. upsetting Miami. College football has become just like the NFL. Glenn, I'm not sure there's a question in there, but I get the gist, Andy. He says the regular season has become devalued. Um, what do you say? I So I think that's his point and sort of the question he was asking but didn't really quote-unquote ask it, but he did, was does this water down the regular season? And I, I would argue that it doesn't because I think you're going to have more one two and three lost teams, then you're going to have undefeated teams, particularly with the power conferences. So I think you're going to have somewhere in that between zero to three losses. I think you're going to have anywhere from 14 to 16 schools, for example, in that range that you're going to look at for the playoffs. So you, if you're a one loss team or you become a two loss team and you've still got three games left, You've still got a whole crap load to play for, which was a little bit different this year. Say for Penn State, for example, after they lost to Michigan, right? They lost to Ohio State, then they lost to Michigan. They still had games on the table, but really they didn't have a whole lot tangible to play for. In a 12-team scenario, they've still got everything to play for. They've still got that opportunity to be in the playoffs. I mean, I look at all the two lost teams. I would love to see Penn State in the 12-team playoff this year with them having fired their offensive coordinator and continue to go on from there. I would have loved to have seen that scenario. So I I don't think it does. I think it just moves the goalpost in terms of losing two games sort of put you on the outside looking in this year. It was not losing a game put you on the outside looking in. I still think it just moves the goalpost a little but I don't think it changed the relevance of the regular season. I still see a lot of games in like mid-November and early to mid-November into late November. I still think they're going to matter a lot on a lot of fronts. And I think you're going to have more teams in the pool. So it's going to be more of a chaotic mess. Andy, I I agree with you. And I understand uh, what Glenn was saying. Ohio State, Michigan becomes a different kind of game. But, I think that there will still be that same kind of uh, following for the game. I think both teams will be just as competitive to win. There's still the conference championship at stake. There's still, you go up, you win the game, you get the bye. Okay. You get that first round bye, which is helpful. 
But the other part to this is with the four-team playoff, there's only a handful of teams that are involved. If you have 12 teams that can make the playoffs, you have perhaps 16 teams that games matter. For instance, Penn State, Michigan State, at the end of the season, would have a lot at stake yep. if it were a 12-team playoff. Penn State fans still wanted to watch that game, still followed the game, but if there was a playoff position at stake, that be- game becomes so much bigger and so much more important. All of a sudden, Iowa, who essentially was eliminated from the playoffs when Penn State beat them back in September, right? all of a sudden, every Iowa game became important because they still had a playoff game at stake. Right, Andy? Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And it, I think it also opens the back end of the door, even if you look at it in this year's scenario. Though, you know, the two and three loss teams become much more intriguing. I, I'm going to pick one. If if this is a 12-year, if this is a 12-team playoff year, who the heck wants to play LSU? Nobody. You don't want to play LSU, right? You might not want to play Notre Dame either. They're going to be more relevant in that conversation. Yeah, LSU's got, you know, they've got, what, three losses. But if you look at them and watch them play, there's going to be teams like that every year. All right, they've got two or three losses. But gosh dang, you don't want to see them in your bracket or you don't want to have to play them to kick off if you're a a one-loss team that won your conference championship. So I think there's going to be more of that that brings another level of intrigue to it. But your point about the Michigan State and Penn State game is 100% right on, and you're going to have three or four of those across the country. Let me give you a little bit more here, Andy. And you mentioned a team like LSU. They would not be in the playoffs if it were 12 teams this year. Let's just talk about this year if there were 12 teams. Georgia, Ohio State, each with one loss. Obviously, Florida State undefeated. I'll throw another name out there. You talk about teams that someone may not want to see in their bracket. How about our very own Nittany Lions? Yeah. Does anybody really want to see that defense? Do you want to play Oregon? No. Do you want to play Penn State's defense? No. You don't want to see them in your bracket. You're like, oh my gosh, we got to play that defense. You're 100% right on the Penn State call. I'd love to see them in this year. Oregon's a two-loss team, two losses to Washington. Gosh, how, about Ohio, at, how about Ohio State, State, Andy? Ohio State. Yeah. So I, I think that there, this year was the perfect example of why the 12-team playoff would have been fantastic. All right, that is it for quarter three. And ask Andy, come back. Start a Q4. Andy will name our winner. You want to stay tuned for that. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app, Keystone Sports. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's Andy. I'm Jim. Just a reminder, if you're still looking for making that trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl, need to contact our buddies at Collegiate Athletic Travel. They've got great packages for you with a stay at the Weston Peachtree Plaza. Great hotel right in the middle of everything, close to the stadium, College Football Hall of Fame, the aquarium where they have the Fan Fest. It includes admission, their package. Check it out. Go to athletictravel.com or call 814 814- Two three eight four nine eight seven. Andy, you stayed at that hotel, right? Yeah, it's they've got that's a perfect location, Jimmy, right there in Peachtree Plaza, right down the street from the Olympic Park, right there with and everything. It's it's the perfect venue to stay if you if you want to go down there, take advantage of it. You'll be glad you did. Very good. All right, Andy, we need a winner from our Ask Andy segment. Who's it going to be? Yeah. Good questions. Uh, I'm the foot. I'm a football geek. Sam in Middletown, you went football geek on the offensive coordinator and the new one and terminology and all that. Loved it. You're our winner this week. Congratulations, Sam. All right, very good, Sam. We'll be getting in touch with you. All right, Andy. Let's get to another topic. Um, this week it's also transfer portal week. It opened on Monday of this week, and for people to understand. The portal, they now have a window where you could uh, enter the transfer portal. If you saw names prior to this, there are exceptions where I think if you're a grad transfer, you could Correct. enter the portal at any point. There's also some exceptions if your head coach leaves, things like that. But in essence, this is when it's wide open. And Andy... Just just to tell you the chaos that has been created, get this, over 1,100 players have already entered the portal. 
over 100 quarterbacks have entered the portal. Now, again, there this is multiple levels. So let's let's just let's restrict this to the Power Five. My last count, I saw 58 Power Five quarterbacks. 58 have entered the portal. What is going on here, Andy? College football has now 100% matriculated to free agency. This the transfer portal is now it's quarter it's been quarterback free agency for a couple years, but the depth and breadth of it now is extending beyond the quarterback position so that it's become the player's opportunity to become full free agents with the NIL money on the back end and it's football free agency. There, I, there's no other way. I can't. I don't have any other word for it. I, it's no other way. It's also an unintended consequence. Is a little bit of the players always gained a little bit of power by controlling their own name, image, and likeness, and their own ability to choose whether or not they stay with a school or not. That, but this is now full, open free agency, and it's removed a little bit of power from the from the head coaches in some respects, but now it's starting to trickle into the institutions themselves with, you know, changing of coaching and changing of coaching staffs and firing of your coach. That's another secondary element that's going to play a big role. They've got special, you know, dispensation for players that were on a team and when they can enter the portal based on whether they have, you know, whether the school fired the coach or not. And, you, not only do new coaches have to worry about the recruiting class, they now have to worry just as much, if not even more, about the current roster they already have, where they didn't really have to, quote-unquote, worry about that as much before. Now that is a big concern, is A, the recruiting class, and B, or one or A, small A, the same level, is the current roster. How much of that are you able to hold on to? So it's a very... Uh, it's a very time of very rapid change, and the players themselves have uh, gained a little bit more control of their own destiny. So, but fifty-eight quarterbacks in the Power Five, Jimmy, eleven 1, hundred in the portal, just in this window. Just it just says free agency. It does, and there's a lot of different aspects to it. I think the one that bothers people the most, I think, is the connection of NIL money to the transfer portal, where player, it's not so much that I'm unhappy with playing time or with the level of play at at the school I'm at, but hey, if someone else is going to offer me a million dollars to go to their school, that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to the highest bidder. Now, before we as fans get all worked up about it, you know, put yourself in those shoes. You know, I, I, you know, I'm a Penn state fan. I bleed Penn state blue and white. Okay. I do. However, if I were a player at Penn state and Pitt offered me a million dollars, go Panthers, right? (laughs) Right. That that's the nature of it. So before you blame these players, you know, it, it's just, it's the nature of the beast. So some of it, I think you and I, when uh, the transfer portal came about, 
we were both advocates for it because it still does some of the things that it was meant to do. If if you're a player buried on the bench, you know, at, at Penn State, the backup punter has transferred. Why? Because yeah. he's the backup punter. Right. He's not going to get to play at Penn State. Can you blame him for going, Andy? No. You. I still think that sort of the intended – one of the intended things, exactly what you just laid out, I still think that's very relevant. I just think at the top end now, it's sort of taken that relevancy and – sort of shaded a little bit where the backup punter is going to have to have do more homework and have a plan and purpose rather than just enter the portal because he's got to have some ideas of where he possibly could potentially go and does he really have an opportunity there they're going to have to do more homework before they actually make the move I think a little bit rather than just saying I'm out of here the the guys that are the the buried guys because there's so many you know, front-end, high-end players that are looking for it. And, I mean, you know, they're looking – players are now – Yeah, Matt Rule said it out loud, right? Like, he warned last week in a press conference and said it out loud, like, be careful what you wish for when you talk about the transfer portal because a quarterback cost X, Y, and Z dollars potentially. And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, he said it out loud. Like, we know it, but you don't really say it out loud. He said it out loud, and he's right. He's not wrong. And now you've got quarterbacks, you know, McCord at Ohio State is a a great example. He wants more. He wants a guarantee. And Ryan Day, all Ryan Day did, and I'm not a big Ryan Day guy, but I don't think Ryan Day did anything wrong. All he said was, this is an open competition. And that wasn't good enough for Kyle McCord. So he's going to go. Is that about... He can get a million dollars. I'm sure he's making some decent NIL money at Ohio State. Does that mean he can make a million dollars by transferring to Michigan State, for example? Possibly. But that's a, there's going to be more examples of they're going to ask for more at another level, and if it's not there for them, they're going to go. Well, here I'm going to take the other side on that discussion with Kyle McCord. You know, if you're the incumbent quarterback on an 11-1 and team, right, and – you talk to the coach, he may not say, oh, yeah, you're definitely the starter, but you know he'll communicate it to you one way or the other. And if you were guaranteed to start, you don't even need to ask the question. The fact is Ohio State was probably looking in the transfer portal. That conversation was happening. Ryan Day could have very easily said, hey, Kyle, don't listen to all that talk. You're our guy. He could have. He didn't. That told Kyle McCord everything he needed to hear. And that that's the flip side to this, the ugly side to this, Andy. And let me ask you this question. You know, we talk about the relationship with NIL. And if you're a player, you go out to the highest bidder. At Ohio State, you're the highest state quarterback. I'm sure he's making some decent NIL money. How long would it take before for Ryan Day to just say, hey, NIL guys, McCord's not the guy. All of a sudden, that same money could be used as the weapon to send a message to players. Point. Yeah. Maybe it's your time to move on. Yeah. And we have situations real quick because I want to get your comment. Ohio State, 13 players in the portal 
some of them very highly regarded players. Kyle McCord, Julian Fleming, some very familiar names. Texas A&M oh made gosh. a move at coach. They have a dozen players um, entering the portal. As coaches, you've got now a situation where, as you said, Andy, you've got to re-recruit your whole team. Yeah, I, I think this is the year when it all shakes out at the end. And in a year or two, you'll look back and say, you know, the 2023 leading into 2024, that's where the transfer portal and the NIL sort of met and clashed, and it went up a notch. And as the sort of power has been pulled away from the coaches and the institutions, the money still is in their control, right? They still control the dollars. They still have control over it as of today. And that is a very important component of how they can sort of fight back a little bit to manage their roster. But yeah, there is Texas A&M is good gracious, Jimmy, those offensive and defensive linemen in there, those are extremely high quality plug and play players on a lot of teams at any given moment. It's just crazy. They are going to be very much in demand, but Andy, in our last minute, I just want to point out something too. Texas A&M a couple of years ago had the highest rated recruiting class ever. Yep. And it was about NIL dollars. Yep. They, you know, the, they were the highest bidder. It turns out if that's your foundation of what you build a team, there will always be somebody else willing to offer the money or even more money. And if that's how you're building a team, you got to be careful. I think See, we're getting that's coming home to roost at Texas A&M. Very quickly, I think we've been very fortunate here at Penn State. Very. They built a culture here. Yes, they've lost players to the portal, and they're going to lose even more. It happens, and some of it for very legitimate reasons. But they've pretty much been able to keep their team together. Uh, that's a credit to James Franklin and his staff. Andy? That is it. We're out of time. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. This is Jim from Keystone Sports for our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel. If going to see Penn State in a bowl game is on your bucket list, I've got the solution for you. Collegiate Athletic Travel is ready to do all the planning for you. With both air and land packages available and 50 years of experience, let Collegiate Athletic Travel take care of all the details. They've got everything taken care of for a memorable trip to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. For more information, go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com 
for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. This is Jim from the Keystone Sports Network. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank all our loyal listeners. As we approach the football offseason, a reminder that we will be here year-round talking Penn State football with all your old favorites, Dustin, T. Frank, Andy, and Jeff, along with newcomers Landon and Sean. But that's not all. We plan on bringing you new shows on our podcast format where we take a more in-depth look at not only Penn State football, but also the other Penn State sports. So be sure to download our app, Keystone Sports.